Marco on the normal radio. Free weed. Free weed. Oh, yo. Danny Danko come to show you how it grows. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on normal radio. Presented by High Times Magazine. See me, I say, boom, bang. Big respect. See me, I say, Danny Danko. All right, you guys, Free Weed it is, and welcome and thank you for listening to High Times Presents Free Weed, episode number 76. Thank you, as always, to Jacques and Winstrong for the wonderful song. Check them out on SoundCloud and Facebook and all the places you can. Uh, yeah, we got an interesting show for you guys. We're going to talk about uh, some of the news of the hour, some of the news of the day, some of the news of the week uh, in our open. Then we have a wonderful interview with Aaron Justice of the dispensary Buds and Roses in the Los Angeles area, a wonderful uh, example of how you can run a marijuana uh, distribution business, uh, medical marijuana uh, dispensary. And we're going to talk about spring planning preparation and different things that you can do even now, even if you're snowed in or if you're uh, you know, freezing cold. Uh, there's a lot that you can do now to prepare for the upcoming season. And spring is coming, so get ready. Uh, we've got some grow Q&A also, as usual. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're looking at here for episode number 76. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, so welcome to episode number 76 of High Times Presents, Free Weed from Danny Danko. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Mike Hughes. Hello, Dan. Hello. How are you today? I'm well. Would you you like- seem, we seem like we're low energy, man. We need to get <laughs> into this. We need to get into it. Coffee is a drug, man. Yeah. 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 Weed is a plant. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, have a, we actually have a hell of a show here, uh, but we thought maybe we would we would – Start things off by talking about some of the legalization that's going on right now. Yes, Big stuff. The, the news of the day. I, the I mean, news of the day. it used to be, you know, if a, if a state went medical or a state went rec, you know, that was like news of the month. You know, we would flip out. And here now it seems that, uh, you know, we've got Alaska, we got D.C., all these places in the news and it, people aren't even really freaking out anymore. It's kind it's of interesting. It's a sign of the times that like, oh, yeah. But do you, sure. do you think it has anything to do with the fact that it's Alaska? No, I mean, I think it has to do with kind of just legalization fatigue new in the news. I think it's like people are like, yeah, yeah, they, eh, they, they, legal. I think they view it as inevitable, right? And even and though this so, is only the third state now that's gone legal with Alaska, well, no, Oregon and Washington. Well, the state, yes. So technically, Alaska is the fourth rec state, right? Third rec, I think, because Oregon hasn't. Uh, started it's oh Oregon's begins in 2016 right. yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. anyway okay. well congratulations is, to them point um, is you're right yeah. there there seems to be a different take sort of in the media with what's happening there and it is it's huge news this well, is just the third yeah. state that has legalized recreational pot and i'm not complaining i'm saying that that inevitability factor is actually encouraging because it's like even you know the the news is coming out and there's really not even that much you know, negative kind of backlash. It's like, okay, Alaska went legal. Who's next? Right. You know, right. it's not like, how do we fight this? How do we turn it around? I mean, of course, obviously, there's people out there that are fighting it, but uh, it does have a, a, a sense of inevitability to it that it didn't used to. So I don't know. That's that's encouraging to me. And yeah, so let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, 
in DC, the people voted for this. Seven out of ten people voted for this. The interesting thing is, uh, the mayor they kind of they had some sort of deal with the mayor, and the mayor uh, is I guess she's she's progressive in some way, and she's all for it. And she and and Congress members of Congress who actually kind of dictate what goes on in DC in in a way because it's technically it's like a federal district. They threatened her with jail for not you know repealing this and not fighting it and it's crazy because this is what people voted for it's the will of the people it's democracy it's exactly and and they have no argument against it their their argument is oh well you know if she lets this happen we are required sort of on a federal level to keep it from happening and if that means jailing this mayor then that's what we'll do and i i just don't get it i mean and That's, of course, Congress delayed the uh, the medical pot program in D.C. for a decade yeah. by uh, by threatening not to finance the city. It's so it's outrageous yeah. that these are these are the people we elected to serve our interests. We voted something like overwhelmingly voted for something, and they, and they say no, we, your your vote isn't good enough. We know better than you do what's best for you, and we're gonna we're gonna impose our will upon your votes. It's, it's ridiculous. It's but you like, have to you have to tip treason. your hat for the the mayor. I mean, the yeah, been standing really strong. She's and... great. I saw her on uh, Rachel Maddow, and she just said, "Look, this is what people voted for. This is what they want. Our job as politicians is to implement the will of the people." And she was totally right. And Rachel Maddow, for once, really stood up for pot and for all of this. You know, she she was great too. And it was interesting segment. So. You know, good for good for the mayor and great for the people of D.C. And I know um, people are already like in the news, smoking joints in their houses and stuff and like letting people film them. And, um, you know, there's plans, I think, at normal to like, you know, have a, a live plant, you know, televised growing in in D.C. And stuff, just to sort of challenge the law and, and also to show people what the law entails, because anyone over 21 can grow plants. And to me, that's incredible. Uh, that's really what's going to keep things like Marlboro and Monsanto and all these other companies from really, you know, uh, monopolizing the market is if you can grow your own, you have nothing to fear from anybody. You don't have to fear genetically modified organisms. You don't have to fear uh, any of these big, you know, uh, RJ Reynolds or any, you don't have to fear any of them because you make it yourself and you know what went into it. You know, the strains, you know, the everything. And so that's to me the you know, the, the, the hope and and the you know just the good part of you know these laws where you can grow your own because that's the important thing if you can grow your own you have a friend that can grow for you you have a caregiver that can grow for you 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 don't have to be beholden to a 20 pack of joints from you know uh, you know parliament cigarettes you can go and make your own and it can be high quality as as good as you want it to be um just have to dedicate yourself to you know it's, like I say, it's not a hobby. It's a, it's a job. You're going to have to, like, put some work in. But, hey, it pays off in the end with great, great, great pot and great concentrates and great edibles and all of that. That's true. And uh, we should also uh, just mention Alaska really quick. Uh, yes. Last November they legalized. I think it was uh, uh, 53 to 47 percent in favor. Yeah. And that law just went into effect, I think, uh, on uh, last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So uh, they don't have the infrastructure yet for actual sales there, right? No, and it, you know, there's a lot of you know murky stuff. I know Charlo, uh, who we had on, 
Uh, uh, Charlotte Green, Charlo the, uh, Green, the fuck it, I quit reporter. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. yeah. She's kind of at the forefront, kind of in some ways the face of legalization in Alaska, I guess just because of that incident. And she's got the Alaska Cannabis Club and that sort of thing going on. She's really trying to figure out how to navigate through you know, this um, legalization of recreational pot in Alaska. They've they've had decriminalization for 30-something, 40 years, which, you know, so it's great that, you know, a state that large with that, you know, kind of impact can legalize. And now uh, it looks like maybe Sarah Palin can see Jamaica from her house. <laughs> well played, sir. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting that, I mean, for the first time in, in my lifetime and actually most people's lifetimes, uh, America is becoming more liberal towards marijuana than Amsterdam, mm-hmm. as Amsterdam is going in the complete wrong direction right now. Absolutely. And, Crazy uh, stuff going on over there. To the point where High Times, who's had a, a 27-year relationship with the city of Amsterdam doesn't even know if it's going to make it back there. That's wow. how crazy yeah. things have gotten. It, so. is, it is wild. It is wild. And, hey, Colorado took in something like $70 million worth of taxes in uh, 2014 on marijuana. And somehow these the a few of the politicians up there found that that was somehow a negative. Well, it's interesting when when they first uh, d- you know the first year of legal sales just ended, so that was all of 2014. And prior to that, they had no idea what kind of taxes legal pot was going to bring in in Colorado. So uh, lawmakers there just threw up a figure, and they thought it was anywhere between 60 and 100 million dollars in tax revenues. But they based that on nothing. So at the end of the year, they figured uh, – I think the final tally was $44 million in um, tax revenue just from legal pot. And that's a huge sum. But because it was much less than what they just threw up as a number, some people are viewing it as, uh, as disappointing. But <laughs> when you add up uh, recreational pot, uh, the licensing fees and industry fees plus medical cannabis – uh, Colorado actually took in $76 million in, uh, in tax revenue from marijuana in 2014. Yeah. I mean, That's it's removing uh, that money from the black market. It's putting it into the state's coffers. It's an incredible sum. It's huge. It's huge. And when you add in all the ancillary businesses, um, places like hotels and, and rental cars and all of that, it's, it's astron- astronomical. It's changed the face of Colorado and Denver in particular. Um, and I, I mean, I tell people if if you live in Denver and you don't like marijuana, you know, you're not going to be happy with the future because, you know, pot is huge there, and they've they're just wait, several steps ahead of everybody else as far as how they're going to get this stuff going. And seventy million dollars into their state economy is huge. I mean, that's any other state is going to see that and say we want that too, or they, at least they should. So it's interesting, though, there's a bit of controversy right now because there is a state law in Colorado that says that if a new uh, initiative is passed that collects taxes, but taxes as a whole in the state uh, are over what is anticipated, they have to return the taxes from the new law, which would be recreational marijuana, to the residents. So right now, lawmakers are saying, well, gee, we'd like to keep that cash because, you know, $44 million is nothing to shake a stick at. So they have to pass a law that allows them, passed by the residents of Colorado, <laughs> to keep that money and use it for the state. Okay. Wacky Maybe they stuff. should just give every citizen a chunk of it and let them spend it on pot. It might end up that right. way. Yeah. Well, you know, with all these legalization things happening with rec and medical and everything, um, one of the things that people kind of forget about is the prisoners who are still locked up for nonviolent marijuana offenses. And there's a lot of them. 
you know, in every state and some states more than others, obviously. Um, and someone who uh, I greatly admire uh, recently spoke out about this, and it was Bill Maher on his show on HBO, um, basically, t- you know, talking about how all these politicians have smoked pot and it hasn't affected their careers. And yet here it is ruining the lives of many, many other people. Uh, and there, but for the grace of God goes that go those politicians. I mean, if Obama got busted smoking pot uh, in Hawaii back when he was a youngster, he would not be president today. I mean, that's just not, that's a fact. He would be a convicted criminal and he wouldn't have run and all of that. Now he did those things. He smoked that pot, but he just he, didn't get caught. He was lucky. Yeah. He didn't get caught. And the people who are unlucky is who, uh, Bill Maher addresses in this clip. And you, do you know any uh, a little bit more about this? I mean, I heard the clip. No, that's, that's and- exactly right. I mean, he's pointing out the hypocrisy of uh, Jeb Bush, who's going to be possibly running for president in 2016. Um, you know, these people smoked pot when they were younger. And now as adults and, and legislators and leaders, they're recommending jail time or allowing jail time for pot prisoners. It's crazy. Crazy, hypocritical bullshit from them. And we're not going to stand for it. And, you know, Bill Maher always stands up for, you know, the marijuana issue. But it's important that we don't lose sight of the fact that marijuana is not fully legal until all those people who went to jail are out of jail for a crime like that. Um, It's a a shame upon our country that we put nonviolent offenders into the prison system because it changes people and it it takes them away from their lives. And it's, 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 it's really... It's a tragedy every single time we do it, and we've done it thousands and thousands of times. So it has to end, and uh, kudos to Bill Maher. Do we have a clip of... Okay, let's play that clip. But don't all these guys, Clinton, Jeb, W, Obama, don't they all owe a debt to the 40,000 unlucky Americans currently in jail for the exact same crime? (laughs) Obama should acknowledge that putting people in jail for nonviolent drug offenses was a giant mistake in the first place. And then he should use the power of the presidential pardon and free them all. Come on. So there there you have it. Impassioned words from Bill uh, about, you know, the hypocrisy of, of these politicians and how we need to change these laws and we need to release these prisoners immediately. It's true. You know, I'm having trouble remembering right now whether it was Denver or Seattle, but somewhere we had a, um, a U.S. Cup and there was a prison within eyesight of the actual grounds. Do you remember this? I don't. I and don't. the thought just struck me how incredible there has to be someone in that prison right now who was busted for a nonviolent marijuana offense and out their window they are seeing the effects of legal pot, people gathering peacefully and smoking and enjoying it. And while it's a great time and we're happy that we get to do it and it's a wonderful thing, it's just so strange that people are are in prison for just that. Yeah. No victim, no crime. And, you know, maybe a cloud of of smoke may have, like, wafted over there. And I hope, you know, it gives them hope that, you know, you're not forgotten. We're not forgetting about the prisoners of the drug war. And so, uh, you know, if anyone's out there with access to this – podcast that's actually you know locked up get get in touch with us and let us know that you've heard the podcast and and uh, you know that it had any kind of effect or anything like that but uh, like i said no victim no crime um that goes for you know other things too but we're really passionate about cannabis and i'm happy that uh bill maher is passionate about it too
Absolutely. So uh, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we have an interview with one of the, the premier entrepreneurs out in uh, Southern California. Yeah. Um, it's our friend Aaron Justice from Buds and Roses. And uh, yeah, I mean, Buds and Roses is, you know, at the forefront of showing people how you can run a dispensary uh, in the proper way and have great, great uh, products and great customer service and, you know, really professional style dispensary. So, yeah, we'll be back with uh, Aaron Justice. Hey, you guys, I know I tell you this every week, but it is important to know. Um, and I know a lot of you guys don't have a BC Northern Lights grow box, and you probably should. So uh, here's the deal. You can buy one of these grow boxes, and you can have up to five harvests a year or possibly even more. Um, fully automated. Everything is just dialed in. It's not a tent that you put up and then you have to deal with all the BS or whatever. You can call them. You can get all kinds of information. Everything is automated. The uh, touchscreen technology makes it super simple. Um, locks, keys, everything. They roll around on casters. It's really an, one of the ideal ways to grow uh, your own pot for yourself. And I know that's what you want to do because otherwise you wouldn't probably even be listening to this, right? So whether you're growing now in a closet or in a small space or in a tent, um, think about upgrading to a BC Northern Lights bloom box, uh, roommate, producer. They've got a unit for everybody. They have drying units too in case you're worried about the odor. The odor control, as a matter of fact, goes from basically from seed to harvest and beyond because – um, they have charcoal filtration in the, in the units, and they have charcoal filtration in the drying machine. So you really don't have to worry about all that stuff. So check them out, bcnorthernlights.com, or give them a call anytime at 888-236-1266. And we thank them for their support and for making such great grow boxes for over a decade. All right. Welcome back, Freeweed listeners. We have a treat for you guys today. We have a very uh, exciting interview subject here, and uh, we are talking with Aaron Justice from Buds and Roses, a, a incredible dispensary in the Los Angeles area, I believe Sherman Oaks. Studio City. Studio City. Right I'm next so, door. Right next door. <laughs> right next door to Sherman Oaks. Yep. And... Uh, you know, obviously, we've you've been on the show before over the phone, um, working with Kyle Cushman and Tyler uh, Wadley, two absolutely expert growers, um, to produce some of the finest cannabis in Los Angeles and all around the world, in fact, because you guys have won a number of cups. So welcome, Aaron. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having me. It's great to finally be at the High Times office here. Yeah, man, I appreciate you coming in, and uh, you're here for a conference. I uh, ha I want to get into, um, because you have a famous uh, sort of hashtag that you promote, uh, Cannabis Brought Me Here, and I want to know what brought you to cannabis. What? Tell me a little bit about um, your earlier experiences with marijuana. Well, um, I remember when I was probably about 10 or so, my, my, uh, my brother... Um, he had some, he had some, he brought it home and my parents kind of knew that he was smoking a little bit, my older brother, and they were telling him, you know, like he shouldn't do it. It's bad for him. He's too young, which he was. And, um, you know, I just had a certain image in my head about it. And, uh, then he, he, he pulled it out and I was like, man, you, you can't have that. You're going to destroy your life. And he said, 
look, it's just pot. It's not like that. It's not, you know, it's not like drinking. It's not like all these other things. And I and I listened to him a little bit, and I, I kind of changed my perception a little bit at that point. But it was really when I was about 17, uh, when I first smoked, that I just found a lot of relief from it. And I had been, I don't know if diagnosed is the proper word. I don't think I went through all the channels, but I basically in elementary school, like had ADHD. They said they wanted to put me on Ritalin. My mom worked at the hospital for years. She still does. And she wasn't having that. And I think that, you know, it helped me with like ADHD. It it just made me feel better. And it was kind of my medicine. And then I also lived in a town, Rockford, Illinois, that was really still to this day, Kind of, you see all the negative effects of what prohibition does in a city like that. It's got a lot of crime, um, just a lot of a lot of problems. And I so I started using cannabis, which of course opens everyone's mind to things. Um, I started learning more about like the drug war and how people get arrested for pot, and that's what and that's what leads to just kind of a life of of a lot of problems. And then I came across Jack Harris' book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And um, I just got super motivated to make change at that time. This was back in the late 90s, and I started going to conferences. I started a hemp and organic cotton clothing line with, like, activist messages on it. And um, that's really how it how I got into it. And that was when you were still in Illinois? Yeah, I was still in Illinois. So did you- let me just jump in. Speaking of Illinois, is it true that you were from the same hometown as Ryan Cook <laughs> from the clinic? Yeah, it, it, what's crazy is I, I only met Ryan well, re-met Ryan a few years ago in Colorado through a, through a friend, and I actually mentioned my grade school. And he looked at me and he said, what? Where are you from? What grade school? And not only did we grow up in the same town, he lived a block and a half away from me. And my mom and his dad, I think, were uh, soccer coaches, and I played soccer with his brother. But Ryan had moved across town when, when we were about nine and um, then he moved to Colorado when he was like 15. <laughs> so, yeah, it was something in the water back there. <laughs> it's just a very small world. Yeah. yeah. So now what what brought you from Illinois to Southern California? Was it cannabis? Cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. so you moved with the intention of becoming a part of the industry yeah. on the activism side or possibly on the business side? Yeah, uh, both, but um, mainly – well, both. And what it was is I was watching Marijuana Inc. on CNBC only maybe six years ago, possibly seven, but I think about six years ago. And and Richard Lee was on there, and he said, when he said, I paid $500,000 in federal taxes last year, it just clicked in me. I was like, oh, my goodness, there's a real industry in cannabis. I have to be a part of that because I was really looking for – something to put my heart and soul into. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I wanted to make change. And um, I started traveling to, I, I went back basically to the same conferences that I started at, um, went to normal conferences and things like that, and just started networking. Heard uh, Steve D'Angelo's message about having a responsible dispensary, and so I sought him out and um, connected with him, and and um, just, yeah, that's how I got into it, and then ended up with Buds and Roses within about a year or so. Right on. And what's the situation in California right now um, for dispensaries? Because it does seem a bit precarious. We were talking a little bit beforehand uh, about that situation. Um, how does it stand? I mean, what's what's the political situation with, with cannabis right now in California? 
Well, it's it's based on local regulations everywhere. So it's it's sporadic. Different places have different rules. Um, like San Diego just came out. They finally started licensing dispensaries this year, and it's been legal there since 96, so that's an encouraging sign. But they mandated what kind of corporation you needed to start and just things that they felt were important to them. So it's good that regulation's happening, but it does get confusing. And then the first city in Orange County, Santa Ana, they just started regulating. So we're definitely moving forward, but they have a completely different set of rules for the most part than San Diego. So it's just different in different places. But I think you're going to see a lot of cities regulate cannabis, hopefully this year and and the year after, before adult use passes. Okay. And do you think it will pass in 2016 in California? Uh, Probably. I I guess the thing is that there's a couple different uh, trains of thought. Yeah. Well, even with Drug Policy Alliance is a wonderful organization, they'll be backing the majority of the campaign. And they're, like I said, an amazing organization, but their focus is on uh, civil human rights and and not getting people arrested for cannabis harm reduction harm reduction and then but then you have the current medical cannabis industry and everybody that's been there serving patients for years and what what DPA wants could be a little different than what the current industry wants mm-hmm. so we're all working together now to be on the same page hopefully we're on the same page and it passes and moves forward probably will but if we're not on the same page, that could be the only thing to bring it down. Could be the current industry there now not wanting to um, yeah. get our because it's starting to evolve the way it is now in California, and we feel like if it's going to make things a lot worse, we can just keep moving along like we are now. Mm-hmm. We're finally getting some good momentum there. Yeah, and I, and <clears throat> we we can see that from the outside, and it's very difficult for people from another place to sort of judge or whatever, but. Um, you know, hopefully, ideally, we'll get some sort of a legitimate uh, rec system going as yeah. well. Because, I mean, the whole idea of a person having to go see a doctor um, to get cannabis is kind of, you know, it's a step yeah. in the right direction. But there's there's further, I think, that we need to go. And I think even the people there in the medical industry would probably agree that, you know, getting people out of jail and all those things are very important. Yep. Um, now... Are you tempted at, at all to expand into these places now like Colorado and, and Washington and Oregon and now D.C. and Jamaica and Alaska? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely am. I still, though, a lot of times it comes back to just focusing on California where we're at because we have so many things going on that I'm very tempted to do that. And I, I we are always looking at options. But at the end of the day, there's room for growth and expansion in California, and if we if we stay true to that and to continue to build our brand and our practices, we'll be able to expand outside of the state mm. when when we're ready. Cool. Um, one of the things uh, it seems that you guys sort of pride yourself on at Buds and Roses is uh, uh, veganic products and clean burning products in that way, and I th- you know obviously that's probably got some a lot to do with Cushman and and his. Um, philosophies on that. But why is that so important for patients? Well, just overall having the the cleanest medicine is just important because, well, it's more than just being clean. Some people are so sick that, of course, they they can't have the pathogens and the residues and that. And by able to, we're vertically integrated. So by growing our own, 
we're able to monitor it from you know seed to to the patient to the sale and it's kind of a theory with all our products so even if you come in and get our edibles it's just we don't want all the sugars and the fats it's got to be well packaged we're not regulated in california so we can have as many milligrams as we want we don't have to label anything we don't have to test anything but we set the standard higher than that because it is for patients people are sick and you know and and what they're if if it's a, like Cushman always says, you know, it's supposed to be medicine. It's got to be clean. You can't have these foreign foreign uh, objects in any of these products. So when it comes to our edibles, that's one of our that's one of the toughest things because anybody can put anything in there. So we just have really strict in-house regulations on what we'll accept and what we won't. And uh, and you guys are also known for a few strains that we all uh, know and love. Can you just uh, maybe mention a couple of the ones that you've won uh, cannabis cups with? Because you guys won the first two U.S. cannabis yeah. cups, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. so we first won with the Veganic Platinum Cookies, which is just uh, um, a, the Girl Scout cookie Fino that seems to be the most popular in Oakland that we could get. And it turned out to be an amazing strain. And once we won with it, we sold the clones to everybody. So people have been growing it all over. Uh, our other strain that's really popular and it's probably our most popular at our collective because sativas are pretty popular there would be our veganic strawberry cough. And mm. um, One of my favorites right there, if not my favorite. Yeah, it's just such a great sativa, energetic, creative. It's hard to beat and it's... It's so unique. It's got like yeah. a very unique uh, smell to the, the, the plants as they're growing. After they cure, they, it, it develops a whole other kind of like palate and, and, and odor. And then when you smoke it, it leaves yet another sort of like <laughs> a incense flavor. I know uh, women tend to love it as yeah. well. I find that uh, very popular among uh, people who are kind of like, ah, you know, pot makes me paranoid or pot makes me, you know, freak out or whatever it might be. I'm like, y- you're probably <laughs> just not smoking the right pot. Yes. And that's one of those strains I always point them to because it, it's just so different and it's so unique and so um, kind of, uh, you know, it inspires the imagination. Yeah. And uh, it's all those things you hear about those old sativas of yore, like the, you know, the Panama Red and the Colombian Golds and all those those ones you you hear the you know people in like a Vietnam veteran somebody coming back from um, those wars and you know they 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 joke around and talk about how oh you guys think the pot these days is so strong I mean we they used to trip on pot basically you know and some of that stuff was just so electric and 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 inspiring and I think you know I think over the course of like the eighties and nineties we sort of lost our way as growers in a way because. You know, we were growing for profit. We were under the gun. We were um, really, it was just became about, you know, bulk and, and indica dominant and CO2, you know, injection and all these things. And we, it seems like we kind of lost track of, you know, flavor and and not just flavor, but but inspirational kind of aspirational bud that really, you know, just a great daytime weed. And, and to me, that's, you know, that's the epitome of like, modern day daytime weed yeah but uh but i digress <laughs> um no. yeah tell me a little bit about what you're doing here in new york as well i mean yeah. um, there's conferences so, now every weekend yeah there different is things there going is. on it's, it's hard to keep up with them so i'm here for an event called cannabis economy and they invited a group of executives um, of different cannabis companies 
and it was good. Uh, one of the most exciting things about it was the director of the Israel Medical Cannabis um, Program there was there, and he was probably that was probably the most exciting. Like you're talking about the effects of strawberry cough and that. They're so onto the science over there in Israel. And one of the greatest things that he said, it was just cool to hear. Well, for one, 5% of the Israeli population has medical cards now. And he <laughs> says it's going to triple in the next six months. Um, and he also said that, like, if you have Tourette's in Israel, no matter who you are, the first treatment is cannabis. They wow. will never give you a pill. They will always give you cannabis. And he said, he's like, we're going to cure epilepsy. We're already doing it. We're doing the studies. And he just kept making the point that even if I said it, well, I think this, I think that, he would say, you think, but we're doing the science. Mm-hmm. You know, he, and he would, but that's because his government allows that. So they're doing like serious, serious science over there. Wow. Compared to like Uruguay, who she was there, a woman from Uruguay, and she said that they're such a poor country that right now they've got bids from Bedrocan, who was there, an international grower. And they would have to buy $300,000 in product from Bedrocan to do their studies and research, um, but they can't afford it. So, you know, you have Israel on one hand just going full blast, and then even these poor countries that, uh, that are just trying to get the stuff to research it. Wow. But they're, they're all – that's more progressive than the United States either way. So Absolutely, yeah. Very <clears throat> interesting that people are now really starting to quantify – the information and um, you know more science and less bro, as yeah. uh, our friend Pinsky would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about: uh, Have there been any patients that have come into Buds and Roses that have just you know blown your mind in any kind of way, or or somebody who who um, just touched your your heart in any kind of interesting way? Well, I would two people come to mind. Uh, the first one was a a young gentleman, probably in his early twenties, from Japan who his doctor said he was terminal uh, with cancer, he was going to die, and his mother, um, they, they live in L.A. also, and um, his mother brought him there, or they have a residence there, and she brought him there, and he started getting the oil from us, and he basically, his cancer went away, and he was listed as terminal. And this is a young kid in his 20s, and it's just the fact that his mother was supportive of that from Japan and said, like, let's go to California to, you know, a dispensary to, to cure your cancer that these hospitals can't do here. Wow. And it went away. Yeah. And um, and then the other story is always uh, Joey, um, Joey uh, Miko Perez's son mm-hmm. from the Unconventional Foundation for Autism. And he always motivates us and drives us. He, when he was eight years old, his autism was so severe. He was basically going to die from malnutrition. And cannabis has really now it's like seven years later and and you, they, you have to be careful with cannabis and kids, but they have a lot of good doctors and support and research. And um, it always inspires me to see Joey yeah, and, the, and the other people that their foundations works with. Mm-hmm. And you guys even created a strain, I think, or are yeah. in the process of creating. No, a strain we did. From, yeah. We um, we had a lot of different strains and basically one of them just really worked well for Joey. And as we're talking about science and research and strains, we're trying to do further research on Joey's strain and strawberry cough, actually, right now. Nice, <clears throat> nice. That's very interesting because there's something so unique about yep. um, that strain. And, and, and so it would be very interesting to find out what it is that makes it so different. Um, how do people find out more about Joey and um, the whole campaign for uh, kids with autism and all yeah. that? Well, you can check out um, uf4a.org stands for the Unconventional Foundation for Autism. Find everything you need there. 
All right. And what about um, for Buds and Roses? I know you have to catch a plane, so yeah. <laughs> we got <laughs> no to get you to JFK. But yeah. Um, yeah, just I guess yeah. give give out your yeah. You info. can check us check us out on Facebook, Buds and Roses Collective. You can visit us in Studio City, which is part of Los Angeles, on Ventura Boulevard one three zero four seven, or uh, check out our website budsandrosesla.com. And being a n d yes okay, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. Uh, I hope you make your plane. Um, thanks for coming on. If you are in the Los Angeles area, please check out Buds and Roses in Studio City, uh, right near Sherman Oaks. And, uh, yeah, our friend is now a, a bud tender. A couple of our friends, actually, oh, yeah. former Messiah Times. Uh, yes, I love right. it. Keeps, got, keeps sending the good talent. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Women who know their, their weed. That's and, right. And are passionate and understanding yep. and, and, and friendly and awesome. So shout out, to, shout out to everyone at Buds and Roses. Um, We will be back with our cultivation segment. And thank you to Aaron Justice from Buds and Roses for coming by. Thank you. Hey, you guys. I know I usually interrupt the show to uh, try to convince you to buy something. But at this point, you can sign up for something for free. Um, You can win a free new haze vaporizer by going to vaporizerusa.net slash giveaway.php uh, just you know click on where it says sign up to win a free new haze vaporizer this is a $250 retail value uh, it's the first dual bowl vaporizer on the market it allows you to vaporize between two different ma- materials interchangeably so if you've got some oil in there you can hit that if you've got some flowers in the other chamber you can hit that and you can pick and choose at your own leisure both bowls can be filled at the same time you can do this with waxes, oils, herbs, um, you know, cake batter, earwax, whatever you want to call it. You can throw it in there and you can get high. Um, yeah. The other thing is you can get one in, you can get something like 20% off on these if you just enter the uh, promo code, which I don't have handy. It's like if, Haze Me 15. I Haze think. Me 15. That's yeah. right. Awesome. We don't have to re-record this. Um <laughs> So check them out at vaporizerusa.net. Um, if you want to win the, the free vaporizer, check out vaporizerusa.net slash giveaway.php. And like I said, get hazed today. Man, we're back. <laughs> so, uh, I guess this is the cultivation section, right? It sure is. Awesome. Yeah. And I know in most of the areas where people reside right now, it might be a little chilly. Really cold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe not, but most people, I think, are in a pretty cold place right now. Uh, I know we are. We are in a cold place. Yes, yes. And I know all my friends up in New England are in a cold, snowy, snowy, cold place. But spring is coming, Right. I mean, that's what they say. I don't know. It's hard to believe it, but... kind of happens every year. But the the point is that, you know, you have to start preparing now for your spring planting. Of course. Right. Of course. Otherwise, you know, spring comes and you're not ready. All right. Well, we're going to take this in a couple different directions. I'm going to just ask you a couple questions about what I should be doing to get ready for spring planting. All right. uh, In two different scenarios. So, first scenario, Dan, Danny Danko, uh, I have a ton of land. Uh, a nice home. It's very cold where I live, though. And 
you know, by the time harvest comes around, I want to have some gigantic plants. I want massive yield. I want high quality bud. What should I be doing right now at the very beginning of March to prepare for that? Well, I mean, you should definitely be growing plants that you're going to put outdoors. I mean, we're talking about outdoor growing right now. So uh, it's counterintuitive to think about indoor growing. But the truth is, you want if you want big plants by the end of your harvest, you have to start them early. And I talk about this all the time, but you should be either you know planting your seedlings or taking your clones right now, uh, particularly if they're seedlings, because you're also going to have to figure out um, – you know what the sex of them is if you don't have uh, feminized seeds and that sort of thing. So but you're saying right now, beginning of March, if not earlier, to if be not honest. Earlier. I mean, you know, February, January, even even last year, if but you what, could could have gotten the, started in December. What's the harvest time for that though? Well, here's the thing: you're okay. going to keep these plants in a vegetative stage, so uh, you you really just want them nice and and big and bushy without flowers. So what you're doing is. Uh, giving them a head start indoors and then acclimating them later once the springtime comes to put them outside. But by the time you put them outside, they're already two, three feet tall. So they're going to vegetate throughout the spring and throughout the summer. And then by the end of the fall, you're going to have massive, huge plants, particularly if they have full sunshine and you water them properly and all of that. So that's something you can be getting ready right now. And another important thing that I think people uh, don't pay enough attention to at this point is trying to keep those plants nice and short and bushy, not letting them stretch. And that means keeping the light within a foot, foot and a half of the top of your canopy. Uh, A lot of people hang a light and then they let the plant grow up to the light and you end up with this big, long, stretchy limbs that are not going to be able to hold big buds at the end of the year. Um, And it's just a taller plant for no reason. All all those internodal lengths can be shortened just by keeping the light lower. So remember to lower your lights. You don't want to burn your, your, your plant tops. That's a bad thing. But if, you're, if your light is three or four feet up above your plants, uh, that is not helpful and you will get stretched and you'll end up with longer and lankier plants, but not a bigger yield. So keep that in mind as well when you're preparing to put those plants outdoors and keep them nice, nice and short and bushy and you'll end up with uh, healthier, stronger plants at the end. All right. That is good advice. But now let's let's consider this. Say theoretically, I live in a place like Manhattan, you know, and I'm I'm in a very small box and I'm surrounded by many, many just awful people in this sort of frozen (laughs) concrete jungle. Just, you know, theoretically. Uh, So basically, the point is, I have no land. I don't have a place to to put these plants uh, when it is spring, but I still want to grow some outdoor weed. What should I do? Well, you're going to have to go gorilla. And, you know, this is, a, you know, kind of a controversial, controversial subject because you're out there uh, on uh, property that's not your own. Um, the important thing is not to do it on someone else, up uh, another individual's property. But you find, you know, parkland or some kind of um, neglected area uh, where you can put plants and no one's going to be. Uh, now is the time to get out there and you know, check out the spot, scout for spots that, you, you know, um, you know, clearings on southern facing slopes, uh, ideally, where some of the trees have, have been cleared out or fallen or, or there's just a, a natural sort of, uh, uh, you know, lighter canopy level of trees above you because you really you don't want to be in a shaded area. You want you definitely want at least, you know, six or eight uh, hours of uninterrupted light. So, you know, you find that space. Uh, a very smart thing that someone told me years ago is uh, 
leave a dollar bill or two like taped to a tree nearby in that area and if you come back and the dollar is gone you know people are like hunting there or hiking there and you don't want to plant there but if you come back and the dollars are still there no one's been there and you know you can you know you can pretty much be assured that uh it probably won't be discovered uh just by accident by somebody so you know you can do that year after year to sort of know whether anyone's been there another thing is season up the holes you know uh if you've got a hole already dug that you grew in last year um, throw some nutrient in there, throw some mulch in there. The important thing is you want, you don't want it to look like, uh, it's, there's anything being cultivated there. You want it to look fairly natural. So if there's thorns or anything like that around, it's always good to, you know, you know, it's tough, but sometimes crawling underneath and into like the middle of a area of thorns and then, uh, planting inside there, because you know, the deer aren't going to go there. You know, hunters aren't going to go there. Um, and it's, you know, kind of like a natural, uh, foliage protection for your foliage. Uh, not always easy to do, but, um, uh, you know, that's the plight of what you have to do. You have to I find imagine it. it's hard to get your water and, and gear and fertilizer or whatever else through those, those true. Yeah. True. But nonetheless, I mean, it's secure. Nonetheless, it is secure. And the most important thing is that no one finds these plants. So, um, you know, there's like cliff sides that people will uh, hike into or, or even repel into and things like that. Places where no one will be for months. I mean, it's hard to find, particularly near Manhattan. So you really have to scout the place out. You really have to know um, that it's not going to be disturbed or discovered. So there's that. And then, you know, just get, like I said, the same thing as, as, as with the plants that you're growing on your own property. Start them now. Get them, you know, to a foot or two high before you put them outside and acclimate them as well from indoor light to outdoor light by, you know, put them outside for an hour or two a day uh, as they're getting used to it so that they're not just bombarded with sunlight uh, instantly because that can make them wilt and it can freak them out. Um, you know, just make sure it's a gradual transition for them and they'll be much happier plants. All right, so those are two options for growing outdoors, and obviously, uh, gorilla growing. We could do, we could devote an entire episode to that. There's a lot of nuance to it, and a lot of good tips that you have acquired over years of either observing or maybe even taking part in this activity. Um, I have a question though. When you're talking about, you know, an eight month uh, long harvest, right? You know, you're you're harvesting these plants, say in October. Is there uh, are there certain genetics that lend themselves better to this sort of thing than others? Well, you certainly don't want uh, pure sativas because those aren't going to be harvestable until most likely around December, and uh, depending on the weather where you are, that might be too late after a frost and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, you want to go with a good hybrid or an you know an indica dominant type of plant. But 50-50 hybrid or even like, you know, something like strawberry cough, is, it's, it's a sativa, but it's, it's done in 60 to 65 days. So it's kind of more on an indica-type schedule. Um, if you can find something like that, it's ideal because, you know, you get all the flavors and everything. It's not kind of like, you know, just your average uh, indica or something. It's something unique and also something that will finish in time. So you can be harvesting end of September, early October instead of you know, December and that sort of thing. Now, if you can go to December uh, in your region and frosts aren't a factor, then you can grow those longer flowering sativas, but just keep in mind they're going to take a longer time and, um, you know, that just, you know, leaves them out there for, for you know, it's a, more of a risk for yourself as well because, you know, rippers and cops and all that uh, jazz. For the gorilla side of it, yeah, you're more exposed the gorilla to side. it. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. 
All right. Uh, anything else on uh, spring planting preparation tips? Uh, no. I mean, basically just uh, – I mean, it's an old trick that the uh, Indians taught the uh, pilgrims when they first came over. But you can throw you know, a, a fish in the bottom of the hole and as it you know, rots over the springtime and everything, the plant – then reaches that nutrient and, and it's it's you know it's one of those old tricks but it doesn't have to be a fish you can um, you can prepare your plot you know long before you actually put a plant in and you know some of the snowfall or rainfall will will sort of temper um, maybe a, a really hot soil and by the time you put your your cutting or your seedling in there it'll be uh, nice and and ready for for you and uh, you know the nutrients have time to break down and be be uh taken up by your roots because sometimes the nutrients are just uh you know they're like large larger particles than the roots can handle and it's nice sometimes when you have um have them broken down in advance for yourself lime is also a great thing if you have a ph issue or anything like that and compost as well um anything you you can do to improve the quality of the soil in your hole you don't want to use native soil you don't want to plant your outdoor plants in native soil. So even if you go gorilla, and especially if you're doing it uh, on your own property in full sun, you want to dig a hole and put high-quality soil inside it and then use mulch and compost to improve that soil. Yeah, that's an important distinction because it's not quite as simple as just going out there and dumping it in no, the ground. You, yeah. I mean, it's something you can do, but you're not going to have a, a big yield and you're going to be kind of bummed at the end at this like wispy sort of things. And it's really because you just planted in soil. It's the same reason why you can't just take dirt from uh, outside and put it in a five gallon bucket and grow in it. It's too, it's too thick. It's too dense. It's not, it doesn't have the airy light quality that you have when you add perlite and peat moss and all those things. Um, so yeah, it's too compact basically. All right. Well, there's your spring planting prep tips there. Uh, could I interest you perhaps in some grower questions? Do a little cultivation Q&A? Let's do it. Are these from listeners? These are from listeners. Excellent. And Thank you, listeners. If you listeners listening right now have a question, uh, you could get us free weed at hightimes.com. Also hit us up on Twitter. He is at Danny Danko. I am uh, at Mike Hughes underscore. Let's get it started with our old friend Guido. Guido. Mr. Danko. Right away, showing the respect. Uh, after harvest this last year, I noticed a change in my medicine. Uh, it has a real harsh taste, and the smell isn't as strong as in past years. Uh, during the grow season, the plants seemed to do just fine. Harvest totals were as high as ever. I grew three different varieties, pineapple chunk, uh, Afghan kush, and sour diesel. The first two varieties were bought as feminized seeds from a reputable dealer. I don't think the drying and curing was the problem. Uh, nothing has changed with that. I'm curious about them turning hermaphrodite. Could this be a possibility? What happens if a plant turns? Does it still grow like a normal plant and produce normal buds? Uh, what do you think? Well, I don't think that your plant turned hermaphrodite, and I don't think that that would like harsh up the taste. I mean, here's the thing. If it happens early enough, you would know it because you'd have seeds. And if you don't have seeds in your buds and you don't see any male, uh, you know, they call them nanners or whatever, uh, peeking out little yellow um, uh, male flowers that peek out through your female flowers. Um, if you're not seeing that, then it's not uh, a hermaphrodite problem. And I think you, you know you might have you might be on the trolley with the drying and curing. You said it wasn't the drying and curing, but if this is strains that you've grown out before and have been great, then uh, and and while they were growing, you said they were they seemed to be fine and the yield seemed to be fine. 
then I feel like the only problem is either maybe you changed your nutrients or you, you under or overfed or something of that nature. But to me, it sounds like a drying and a curing issue. And every year, you know, conditions are different. Um, some years there's more uh, heat and humidity. Some years it's colder and drier. So you really have to adapt your drying and curing process based on what the ambient temperature and humidity is. Um, buds in a very dry uh, and hot atmosphere will dry out too quickly and tend to taste uh, harshly and burn harshly. And buds that take forever to get moisture out because of high humidity can potentially get moldy and that can obviously affect the taste as well. So yeah, I mean, I think drying and curing is probably a more likely scenario than, uh, than the plants going hermy. Well, there you go, Guido. Uh, hopefully that helps you out. And let's move on to, I really like this one primarily because it takes issue with you. <laughs> uh, it's a little long, so hang in there. Here we go. Dear Danny and Mike, uh, first, I need to say a big thank you for all the work that you both do to put out the free weed podcast. I love it. I've learned many things. I love the Q&A sessions. I listen intently whenever you're, you have growing gurus on the show. However, I have a bone to pick with Mr. Danko. One... Um, on more than one occasion, Danny has referred to autoflower growers as lazy, hmm. or that autoflowering is uh, the lazy man's option. I get what you're saying. Autoflower is supposed to be more convenient. It's supposed to be a more convenient option when it comes to growing pot. But anyone who thinks that you could simply plant an autoflower seed and then return in three months and reap a harvest is sadly mistaken. Now, I have been growing autoflowering strains for over five years. I also own and operate a multi-employee successful business. If I am lazy, I would hate to see someone who you call energetic. For me, autoflowering <laughs> strains work best. I grow in a cabinet, and autoflowers work great for this due to their short stature. Also, I do not have the room for a separate veg and flowering light cycle area, so autoflowers help solve this problem. I tend to plant, uh, tend to my plants every day, and I try to do everything I can uh, to provide the best environment for happy, healthy plants to ensure a good harvest. I would like to try to change your mind a little bit. Can we agree on this? Instead of using the term lazy for autoflowering, <laughs> how about less maintenance? or perhaps more convenient, depending on your circumstances. After all, free weed is about growing your own, and if autoflower strains work best for an individual, embrace it, bro. We are all in this together. That was sort of like the, the stages of grief, right? It started with anger, and then it kind of went to bargaining. So what do you think? Can you change your mind? Can we go with a different term? I'm sorry I called you lazy, bro. <laughs> and you have a bone to pick with me. I have a bone to smoke with you. We can, we can find the common ground. The funny thing is... is I tend to get shit from the other side of people who are kind of like the strain purists. Yeah, that fuck think, autoflower. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. And why is Danko promoting autoflowers? Man, that's bullshit and blah, blah, blah. So it's funny to hear, you know, from an autoflower. I guess it means I'm somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and, you know, well, obviously. It just the, means you're going to eat shit on both ends. It's <laughs> like you, got, you can't well, win. <laughs> obviously, you know, using the word lazy is provocative and um, certainly – you know, maybe not the preferred nomenclature, <laughs> but you're out of your element. No, just kidding. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, I mean, it is more convenient and they have their place. And I think I've, I'm on the record as um, stating that there's been a lot of advancements, particularly uh, at Dynafem seeds uh, uh, in particular with autos and with making them more potent and, um, you know, bringing sativa genetics to auto flowering with their auto haze and things like that. Um, this isn't an ad for them. I'm just um, 
you know, I'm just sort of explaining that autoflowers have come a long way. And yes, if I use the term lazy, um, maybe that's not the best, uh, you know, semantics. But, you know, truth be told, you know, they have their place. And like you said, um, certain people, you know, they love the short stature. They love, um, you know, being able to plant them at any time of year and harvest. And, you know, it's an exaggeration to say, you know, you plant and then 90 days you come back and harvest. Obviously, you know, if there's drought, or any kind of issues you have to be there and water and and tend to them and nurture them so i apologize and uh hopefully one day we'll be able to smoke uh some some autoflower buds and uh and we can all laugh about it later indeed so uh continue with your less maintenance or more convenient ways that was from jeff please do not use my last name Oh, also, as a side note, he he mentions uh, he has an idea for the show. We should have an experienced autoflower grower on to explain uh, the techniques and stuff to us correctly. Awesome. And also suggests an autoflowering uh, strain category at the Cannabis Cup. Interesting. Yeah. All yeah. right. Thank That's you, Jeff. Great. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for taking the time to write. Uh, no offense and obviously um, none intended. Uh, you don't sound lazy to me. Yeah. So hang in there, you lazy fuck. Uh, <laughs> here's Marcus. He writes, uh, hi, Danny and Mike. What's up with free weed? You guys don't do the podcast anymore? Uh, just got out of jail and was hoping to have some free weed episodes to listen to. Hope it's that you guys are too busy. That I have all respect for. Uh, I have been a small-scale medical grower for personal use in Stockholm, Sweden that got busted. I'm now running a big risk of losing custody over my two-year-old daughter. And if they choose to throw me in prison, my wife can't afford to pay the rent by herself. Um, the worst thing is that all this stupid shit happens every single day to innocent good people over, all over the world. So my question to you guys is, what do you think of my idea of adding another segment to the show that focuses on how people on how to change people's minds about cannabis? I think that we can really free the weed. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been trying to do that. And, you know, obviously our show focuses more on the uh, cultivation aspect because I feel like that's a political act as well. But, yeah, it is important to talk to the people in your lives. Um, You'd be surprised, really, how many people support marijuana legalization personally but are afraid to say so professionally or for whatever reason they might, you know, they fear prison or they fear losing their job or they fear – um, exposing themselves as, you know, weak or on drugs or some kind of uh, different fear that they have. But overcoming that fear is important and teaching people uh, the truth is important. But look, you know, you're, you're fresh out of jail. You have a wife and a child. So you need to think about, like, who you're going to, you know, try to teach and who you might uh, benefit from, you know, <laughs> maybe not mentioning it to. So, you know, it's it's important. It's important to... Uh, you know, here we, we're always preaching to, to the converted because the only people listening to the show, I would imagine, are people who love pot and want to grow it and want to smoke it and want to learn more about it. Um, there might be a few, you know, law enforcement people or, or maybe even some pot haters that listen to the show. Let me uh, say this. If you are a loyal free weed listener who hates pot, write us. I want to hear about that. <laughs> I, I'd like to hear I about understand it. I want to understand Even if it's, you know, drug counselors or somebody that wants to understand a little more about our side of things. Um Either way, I mean, it's important to, to, you know, teach the people in your life that, you know, marijuana is, uh, it, it, it works for you. You said you're using it medically and, uh, you know, and people's minds are changing. It's obvious. I mean, we talked about it, uh, in the, in the open when we talked about how, uh, all these laws are changing around the country and around the world. I mean, Jamaica just, uh, decriminalized small amounts of pot. So, um, it's happening. 
it's happening slowly and it hasn't happened in Sweden yet, but it's coming. So uh, hopefully we'll be there before ISIS. <laughs> That's a joke. Topical. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, cool. Thank you very much, Marco. Marco Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. And let's move on to Brian. Now, this is interesting because you and I have been in New York for a while, and uh, Brian has a question kind of pertaining to that. Uh, Dear Mr. Danko, I'm a big fan of the show. I've been making note of your work for over a decade now. Wow. That's uh, that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know. It sounds a little like he's maybe outside your house at night or something. No, no. no? Just, you know, I appreciate that, man. On to the question now. I heard you say that the strain Nigerian is very similar to NYC Uptown Haze, and you actually use the word piff. Now, the surprising part is how lackadaisical you said it as if PIF was an everyday strain. Okay, (laughs) because I searched high and low for PIF genetics, and the closest I could find is Riot Seed Company has a number of uptown uh, crosses, panic PIF, clockwork PIF. But let's be real here for a minute. Is that Nigerian really actually similar to that Dominican-run NYC Washington Heights PIF of like the 2000 to 2006 era? Please help me uh, locate this magical sativa. All right. Um, I, honestly, I don't remember comparing Nigerian to PIF except in maybe just in the effect because, uh, you know, that Uptown Haze, wh- whatever you want to call it. Some people call it Pude. Some people call it PIF. Um, some people call it Miami Haze. Some people call it Dominican. But that's the stuff we're talking about. It's that, like, darker colored, kelpy, um, sativa dominant, um, very yeah never find like large buds of it always like little popcorn nuggets but delicious and amazing and very unique uh as you mentioned so the highs are similar but the strain is different and that miami haze or that uh that stuff is not the same as nigerian it's really just it's only similar in how it makes you feel and as far as finding uh piff and seed form uh, you can try those riot uh crosses uh i'm not sure how you know I'm not sure because I haven't tried them myself how close they are to the original. But I know that the original, as far as I know, is a clone only that's kept very uh, close to the vest by um, people in Florida who, you know, don't necessarily want to want to let those genetics get out. Now, I know there's people in Colorado who who have um, different versions of it. Uh, I believe Mindful might have a version of it, which used to be uh, Gaia plant-based medicine. And uh, our old friend Mitch... Uh, might have a version of it as well, but as far as finding it on the marketplace, um, it's pretty difficult. I, I don't, I haven't seen seeds of it for sale. Uh, I haven't even seen clones of it for sale, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's one of those, you know, it's the white whale. It's it's one of those elusive and exclusive uh, strains. I wish you know people would share share it more, and I wish that it was out there for everyone to grow. I know it's not easy to grow. I know. Uh, you know, you need a certain, it's a finicky plant and it does, it's not a big yielder either. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the word on the, on that haze. And, you know, there's still places in New York, you can get it. Maybe you get it and find a seed in it and grow that out, (laughs) you know, but I I wish I had a better answer for you, but I will tell you that, um, the Nigerian is not the same strain. It's just the reason I compared them is because they both have that sativa electricity and that, that really almost heart racing quality that makes you wonder if you're smoking just weed or not, you know, (laughs) there you go. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Brian. And hopefully you could locate that piff. We'd love to smoke some with you. Let's move on to Carlton. Uh, Hey, Danny and Mikey, 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, your show is amazing and inspiring and I keep learning and wanting more. 
Weed isn't addictive, but free weed definitely is. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is my first grow, so I have a question about flowering. I have two plants, and one of them started to flower, so I switched the lights to 11 on and 13 off. I have a couple questions. First, why did one flower and the other one didn't? I'm also wondering how long it will take to start seeing flowers on the other plant. My grow is a uh, three-foot uh, tall and two-by-two two wide cabinet I converted to a grow box. Uh, he's got a T5 light with some LEDs and two red and two blue fluorescent bulbs as supplements. Uh, the plants are in a one-and-a-half-gallon pot. So what, what do you think? What happened here? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like he's... He, they started to flower and then he switched the light cycle so he might be dealing with uh, a plant that was auto flowering and one that wasn't um, the auto flowering plant would automatically flower um, under any photo period and then or you know or it could have been a, a, a more indica dominant plant that just happened to show pre-flowers um, basically you should see flowers on the other plant if you don't see flowers on the other plant in a month then you'll know something's wrong but the truth is some sativas and some plants just have a you know a longer period between vegging and flowering and won't show you flowers for two or three weeks after you've cut that cycle um, so yeah I mean I think uh, you have two different strains going and one of them flowered early and one of them is going to flower late and I think, uh, you know, that's the basic explanation for what's going on. And if you don't see flowers on that other, other plant for over three weeks to a month, then you might have an issue with a light leak or uh, a strain that's just, you know, funny and just isn't de deciding not to not to flower, uh, in which case, you know, you're just going to have to go with better genetics in the future. All right. So, Carlton, keep us posted on that. Let us know if that problem corrects itself. Uh, before we go, let's hop over to Twitter real quick. Yes. Once again, he is at Danny Danko. I am at Mike Hughes underscore. Uh, first one is from at Alive and Upstate. A gentleman still waiting for a response on how to become the free weed intern. <laughs> I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we could use an intern. You know, so every once in a while we need to take a smoke break. Yeah. <laughs> Someone has to uh, to hold on to Danko's pH up and pH down, I think. So, yeah. No, that's a kind offer. We would love to have an intern. Yeah. I mean, you know. It'd be great if, if you have audio uh, engineering experience and, and production experience and things like that. Yeah, that's freedom. the problem. We we pretty much need someone who doesn't just want to hang out and get high with us. Right, because actually someone that wants to do the work. Right. And if you're that person. If you are, you know, I'm not saying you're not. Email us or, or contact us. But, uh, you know, we're in, we're in New York City. Uh, we need, you know, help with, you know, basically audio recording and engineering and that sort of thing. So if that's your specialty and you're interested and you don't need any money. <laughs> <laughs> then uh yeah i mean hey our our eyes and ears are open mm -hmm. hit us up thank you at alive and upstate and uh, let's do one more we got at l sam Wright the second uh question aimed at at danny danko tell me your grower superstitions i have one knife i open all bags of soil with this is interesting we yeah. should we should get We've some grower really talked about this and i don't do you really, have any not particularly i mean don't get caught <laughs> that sort of thing but not i can't think of any particular superstitions you're not I mean, really a superstitious guy i'm not a superstitious guy yeah. uh and you know if you throw enough salt over your shoulder i think you might kill your plants <laughs> that's a <laughs> fair point if yeah. you're out there and you have grower superstitions you know tweet us uh or email them to us yeah we'll do a whole thing next uh, episode let us know we'll your grower superstitions 
Okay, so thank you everyone who took the time to write us. Again, if you have a question you would like Dan to answer on Free Weed, uh, get us by email. It's freeweed at hightimes.com or on Twitter at Danny Danko, at MyQs underscore. What do you say we take a break, then come back and wrap it up with Raw? Let's do that. All right, you guys, thank you for sticking around. Uh, another episode of Free Weed from Danny Danko. This one was number 76. I uh, want to thank Aaron Justice from Buds and Roses for coming on the show. Always uh, Jacques and Winstrong for the wonderful song. Um, all the people who wrote in questions for our Q&A segment. And you guys for listening. And any future potential advertisers also. I mean, think about it. Uh, if you're interested, email john at hightimes.com for rates, J-O-H-N at hightimes.com uh, for advertising rates. And, you know, we're we're always uh, ready and willing to uh, promote good products. So keep us posted. And, yeah, uh, Mike, you got any final words? I'm just sad to say that we have to officially retire the Rick Ross boss uh, sound clip for this episode. So No one wrote about that. I know. <laughs> we didn't catch it. It's any... kind of fun. Yeah. I love the little things you do at the end, well, by the way. Yeah, They're yeah. All, no one's always... listening right now, though. I bet if you have a graph, you see the drop-off right after cultivation. <laughs> I know how I am with podcasts. I, I kind of like to get to the end because then it, like, deletes off my phone or whatever. Ah. So even if I have to fast-forward to this, which I don't recommend. You know you could just you swipe do. it and then delete. Yeah, this kind of just does it automatically. And, and I feel like you get to the end, it's like a real listen. You know, right, It's not like, right, right. oh, halfway through I decided to stop. It's- Don't quit on us. <laughs> no, that's about it, you know. Um, we'll be back. Yeah, we will be back. And, uh, yeah, don't forget Denver Cannabis Cup tickets at CannabisCup.com. Uh, check us out, as always, at HighTimes.com. I've been doing a bunch of grow Q&A stuff on there. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a wrap. Right, let's wrap it up with Raw and let's put this episode number 76 into the books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.